Women Taking the Lead, Episode 111. Career changes seem so big and so scary. What they really boil down to is teeny tiny changes and teeny tiny choices that you make every day. It feels so big and so overwhelming, but it really just is those little those little steps that turn into more medium steps and and bigger steps and and really lead to change. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentl.com forward slash recognize to reserve your spot in our upcoming webinar on how to be recognized and rewarded for the work you do. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Adrienne Grenzella Larson. She is the editor-in-chief of The Muse, the career platform that helps millions of people find and succeed at their dream jobs. A nationally recognized career expert, she helps millennials navigate career changes and job searching in the digital world. She's been featured in Forbes, Inc., Real Simple, Money, Fox TV, and MSNBC. Adrian, it's such an honor to have you on my show because I can't tell you how often I'm sharing articles that are posted on the Muse. I love them. So it's exciting to have you here. But what I've read is just a quick intro for everyone. So tell us more about you and your humble beginnings. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor to be here today. You know, humble beginnings, I love that you describe it this way and ask people to talk about their humble beginnings. Um, I certainly came from humble beginnings. I think my, um, my career path started when, when I was a little girl, I always knew I wanted to be a magazine writer and an editor, but I didn't end up doing those things until later in my career because I really never thought that I could be. I didn't really know anyone with those jobs and I didn't know how to get those jobs. And looking back, I really didn't have the confidence to figure out how to go for it anyway. Um, and it certainly didn't feel like the stable career path that, you know, my parents and, and everyone else wanted me to go down. So when I started my career, I, I did a lot of different things, trying to incorporate writing in some way, but not really making it the focus of my career. I did internships in PR and in marketing. My first job was as an event planner, where really the only writing I was doing was memos to volunteers and a whole lot of emails. Um, And then I had jobs in marketing and corporate communications and sort of did all of those jobs before I really realized that I wanted to go after my dream job. And that was about five or six years ago when I started making the transition. And that led me to where I am now, which as you so eloquently described is editor-in-chief of The Muse. I love that. You know, when you describe wanting to be a, a, a magazine editor, writer, it sounded like it was more like a dream than a career aspiration, like wouldn't it be so cool if I became an astronaut? You know, that totally. sort of thing. But what's so funny is ev- almost everything you chose in your career path path was taking you one step closer and one step closer to being there. And even though you didn't know how to get there in the beginning, you you just took the right steps. You know what what was drawing your interest that brought you there. 
You know, that's, that is a nice way. That's very nice of you to say. It certainly didn't feel like I was getting closer at every step of the way. I, <laughs> it never does. It never does. does. <laughs> I know. I love the, um, I love the quote, the Steve Jobs quote that says, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards because it certainly makes sense now. And, you know, when I have talked about my career path or, you know, gone on job interviews, it all makes sense looking backwards, but I could have never, you know, looking forward, could have never made it make sense. I love it. When I'm having coffee dates with people for the first time, I love asking the question this way. So tell me about the windy road that led you to where you are today, because it's, it's in retrospect, it, you know, or going forward, it always feels that way that I pivoted dramatically this way. And then I pivoted dramatically that way. But in retrospect, it's like, oh, everything I've done has made me better able to do what I'm doing now. And it just seems so perfect. But like you said, you can't see it looking forward. No, definitely, definitely not. Oh, so awesome. And Adrian, clearly you've gained confidence. You talked about, you know, lacking the confidence to really go after what you wanted. Well, here you are, <laughs> much more, a much more confident woman. But take us back to another time when you were playing small and you may not have been aware of it at the time. Share with us the story and the lessons you've learned. Yeah. I mean, I think that I played small from the very beginning. You know, the first job that I took, the first full-time job I took after graduation was something that literally had nothing to do with what I knew deep down that I wanted to do. And I took it because it was, you know, sort of, sort of handed to me by a contact that I had who said, you know, there's this opening. I think you'd be great for it. I went through the interview process. I got the job. There was no sort of thought process of, of, maybe I should be looking for something that I'm really, really excited about or really passionate about or would sort of point me down the path that I think I want to go down. I I just took the job to have a job. And it actually ended up being a really amazing job. I learned so much about you know, project management and people management. I worked with an absolutely amazing group of people, which is why I ended up staying there for three years. But those were, at the same time, those were three years that I was not pursuing what I wanted to be pursuing. Um, so that's actually, that's something I talk to a lot of people who are just starting out their careers. And the advice I always give and sort of the lesson I learned is, you know, there's always going to be an opportunity to take a job, take whatever job comes to you, but why not try for what you really want? You might not get it. And then you might have to just take whatever job comes to you, but you might, um, you might be able to do something bigger than you, than you really thought possible, but you have to give yourself the opportunity to try. And I think in that moment, I, I definitely did not. Wow. And you know, Adrian, I have to say probably over the last 10 to 15 years, I feel like it's been pounded into us though. You're coming from a different perspective now working with millennials on career changes, but I feel like for the rest of us, there's this message that's being sent over and over and over again, that there aren't any jobs available that Mm -hmm. you should take what you should get. And then if you get a job, you're lucky. Yeah, I think that's changing. I, I think that was certainly the message, you know, three to five years ago when we were coming out of the recession. And it was like, if you had a job, hold on to that job for dear life and you're lucky to get (laughs) anything. I think now though, I mean, 
There are there are new companies starting up every day. There are so many opportunities to have side projects or consulting businesses or your own company that we really do owe it to ourselves to think about what is professionally fulfilling and exciting to us and go after that and not just have a job to have a job. Amen. And I'm hearing millennials are the generation that are much more comfortable with entrepreneurship and they're choosing to start companies more so than my generation, which was generation X and the baby boomers. Yeah. I think that, you know, there's, there's not as many differences between millennials and baby boomers and and Gen Xers as we would like to think. I think the world, it's true. I think, (laughs) but it's so fun to talk about, isn't it? Um, I think the difference is there are so many more opportunities to do it now. You know, you don't have to start a brick and mortar business. You can pay for a URL and start a business on the internet by the end of the day. And we also have so many examples of people, young people, millennials who have started amazing things using technology or just by themselves that people feel really empowered to, to take the plunge into entrepreneurship if that's what they're interested in. Yeah. They have the resources and the technology available. Had this all been around, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, we'd be talking a different story about Gen Xers yeah, too. Yeah, definitely. Love that. All right, Adrian, now share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake up call. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps you took that led to your success. Yeah. So this happened for me in the, in my previous job before I joined the Muse and I had, I had a great job. It was, you know, it was interesting. I worked with great people, but I had this moment that, you know, if I was 16 years old and someone had fast forwarded my life to where I was then my 16-year-old self would have been really bummed out by how my life had turned out. And again, it was totally, it, it was a good job and a good life. It was just not what I was, it didn't get me up in the morning. It wasn't fulfilling to me on a really deep level. And I didn't love my life every single day. And and I had this moment of, if I don't change something now, I am going to continue doing this for the next five years, the next 10 years, the next rest of my career. And this isn't just going to happen for me. I need to figure out how to make the change and I need to do it. And I don't really remember what caused this light bulb moment. It was, you know, I was walking down the street with my husband and we were just chatting and, and that's when it hit me. And it just, it really did hit me like a ton of bricks. And, and I went home and just figured out how to make it happen. Um, and that was really the beginning of my steps to make my career change, which, you know, I talk about this a lot. Career changes seem so big and so scary. What they really boil down to is teeny tiny changes and teeny tiny choices that you make every day. So my next, you know, my, my choice was to sign up for a writing class the next day. And, and I started taking writing classes. And then a couple weeks later, you know, as part of this writing class, there was a challenge assignment to pitch an article to a publication. So I did that and it got rejected. Um, but that's not the point. The point is I, I just started doing these little things. And, and once I started, it made it easier to continue doing those things. And ultimately that led to 
meeting Catherine and Alex, who are the founders of The Muse. They had a previous company. And I said, you know, I really like what you're doing. I am doing some writing and editing on the side. Can I help you guys out? And they said, sure, absolutely. And we started working together. And then that company folded. Um, And eventually they started The Muse and asked me to come on board. So all told, I mean, that was a, it was probably about a year long process, but it was that kind of aha light bulb moment that led to my career change. I love that because what your story really underscores is you don't have to like cash in your retirement fund and go out and do something crazy. No, I mean, in fact, please do not. You, do not do right. not. <laughs> it's not that you can't do that. You can do that, but you don't have to. Really, when you feel compelled to do something different, do what you're compelled to do. Do the next right thing and the next right thing. And for you, doing the next right thing puts you in the path of people who then helped you to figure out the next right thing. Definitely. And the next right yeah. thing. Yeah. And it feels, I mean, it feels so big and so overwhelming, but it really just is those little, those little steps that turn into more medium steps and, and bigger steps and, and really lead to change. Oh, I love that. And it reminds me of the, um, the Goethe poem. I don't have it right in front of me, but he talks about commitment. When you commit to something and you take action, the universe conspires mm. to help you. And that's what I see happening for my clients as well, my coaching clients. Like once they've decided something and they commit to it and then they take action, it's like all of a sudden they're like, you're not going to believe this. This happened and this happened and that happened. And I'm like, it's because you took action. Yeah, it it absolutely is. And, and starting to talk to people, I think, is one of the most powerful things you can do just to put out there to other people. You know, here's what I'm thinking about. Here's what I'm doing that spurs them to start introducing you to people, um, pointing interesting things your way. You Sometimes that, that small step is just talking to people, just having conversations, and it can spur so much. Right. And that's all you need to do. So for everyone listening, I, that's what I want you to take out of this. Like if you're not happy where you are and you feel compelled to do something different, you don't have a, to make a big change. Just do something yeah. and get the process started. Have coffee with people once a week. I mean, that is, if you can spare an hour a week to have coffee with someone, reach out to people who are, who are doing something that is interesting to you or could be an int- a useful connection in some way and have coffee once a week. And you will be shocked at where that leads. I love that. I love that advice. Cause I know for myself, it leads to great things. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and so I want people to tell me about it too. So if you do it, reach out and let me know how it's going. All right, Adrian, what I always want to underscore in every episode is there's no one way to lead. We're all different. We have we all have different personalities and different strengths. And so that translates into different leadership styles. So, Adrian, how would you describe your leadership style? Yeah, so I think I've always been good at finding good people and gathering the right group of people around me. And I think when it comes to when it comes to building out my team, I've built out a team of of now 10 people here um, in my department and 80 people at the Muse. I I only hire people I really trust and really believe in and I'm really excited to go to work with every day. And 
I also try to look for people who are better at me, better than me at something. I um, I read a great article once about Mark Zuckerberg's hiring rule, which is to only hire people he personally would want to work for, not work with, but people he would be comfortable working for. And I think, I mean, it, that's not always possible in every case, but I think that's a really amazing bar when you are when you're talking to people and and thinking about people, not just for hiring, but the people that you are collaborating with, the you know the clients and vendors you're working with, to really think about is this the kind of person I want to be working with every day? Is this the kind of person I want in my life? Do I trust this person? Do I respect this person? If there is something that's not sitting right, maybe don't work with that person and. And look for people, keep looking for people who, who are right for you. I love that. I've never heard that before. So thank you for sharing that. Because before you shared that, that barometer that Mark Zuckerberg uses, my question to you is going to be, how do you, what do you look for that lets you know if you trust somebody or not? Are there certain things? But when you look at somebody and wonder, would I want to work for them? It's almost like that question gets answered Mm -hmm. in that question. Like you're looking for the qualities of of a person, of a leader that you would want to follow. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course you would trust them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also often, I mean, I mean, so much of it I think is, is that gut and is that asking yourself those questions. I also ask people to tell me stories about the past. I think it's easy for people to go into interviews and and say things about themselves, to say that they're they're organized or they're responsible or they're detail-oriented or or whatever it is you're looking for. Mm -hmm. But then when you ask stories, so tell me about a time you did this, tell me about a time you did this, and they're actually describing how they interact in the world and in their work, you can really see if what people say about themselves matches up with how they act every day. Mm. And that's a good kind of test for if you can trust them. Yeah, (laughs) so powerful. It says a lot about people and how they tell a story, what words they choose, which details they pull in, what things they're leaving out. It does give you a lot of information. Mm, It does. How they talk about other people too, I think is really interesting and important. Yes. You know, you know, they're going to be nice to you when you're the interviewer, but how they talk about the people, you know, they've worked with, they've worked for, I think that can also be really, really telling. You you know, interesting story, Adrian, because, um, this came up recently. Um, I was screening somebody with, you know, it was part of a committee and you know what? I missed the cue. Um, the story somebody was sharing was how they saved the day. Hmm. Right. And lucky for the company that they were working for, because I came in and I saved the day, which is, a you know, it may, when I was listening, I was like, oh, that's a really good story. Well, wouldn't you know it? Now the stories that keep getting told are of this person saving the day. Like everyone gets mm-hmm. wrecked around them. Like nobody lives up. To expectation, and this person is always saving the day. And I was like, "Wow, wow!" They revealed this right, yeah, from, the right from the beginning, and I missed it. Totally missed it. I mean, it's hard. It's hard, though. And you know, people are sharing those stories in in interviews, and when you're talking to them for the first time, trying to present the best possible version of themselves. Um, but I think it's you know, it, it is just really important to look for how they how they talk about other people. 
Yes. And I think I like your method of you don't just ask for one story. You're asking for a lot of stories. Mm -hmm. It probably would have been a trend. You know, who knows for sure? It's in retrospect now. But if I had asked them to sell six to eight stories. Right, right. What what are the themes that come up out of those stories? And, you know, one thing I used to do in interviews is I used, you know, you ask about their former coworkers and boss and that sort of thing. And I used to think, well, what if I was one of the former? What are they going to be saying about me someday? What are they looking for in a boss? And do I have those qualities and that sort of thing? Oh, my gosh, we could go on forever. It's fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) So awesome. But Adrian, look back on you. What's one thing that you're working on that you're really excited about and want to share with us? Yeah. So late last year, the Muse launched a brand new program called Coach Connect, which is a a platform where you can book time with coaches. Have you heard about this, by the way? I feel we should talk about this. I think I have. We definitely should. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But basically, you know, we, the Muse has always offered advice, um, company profiles, job listings, sort of everything you need to kind of take charge of your career, but not that additional step of working with a coach, working with somebody one-on-one who can really hold your hand or give you some one-on-one support to make a career change or or get a better job or or deal with your manager or get a promotion or whatever your career goals are. So we just launched that late last year and I've been involved in sort of bringing the right coaches on board. creating content that helps coaches get their message across and helps people decide if they need a coach. And this has just been really, really exciting. I so believe in the power of, of coaching and working with someone who can, you know, help you identify your blind spots. And you obviously have seen what a difference that working with the Mm. right coach can make in your life. And so I'm just really, really excited about this right now. That's really awesome. That's a great service because sometimes, you know, I teach coaching skills to people who work within organizations. You know, I offer um, a workshop series and um, through an organizational development um, company, but it's really awesome to be able to teach them skills they can take back. But oftentimes it's very convoluted because they're coaching people they also supervise. Mm-hmm. And then the relationship gets very murky. And so it's nice to work with a coach who is outside of your organization because they don't have the same vested interests in you in that you're not impacting their job performance. Right. Right. By your decisions and what you want to focus on. But as a manager, you know, oftentimes the people in um, my workshop will say, well, what if they want coaching around something I don't think is important? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's 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 a choice point. At that point, I'm like, you either coach or you don't. Yeah. You know, but it's nice to be able to and for the for the team member, it would be nice to have a coach who they could go to who isn't part of the culture. And, right. and can look at things with a different set of Somebody eyes. Somebody who's totally unbiased makes a huge difference. Really does. Wow, what a great service. So cool. All right, Adrian. now I'm going to do a leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice that you have that makes you a better leader? Yeah, I, you know, I read a lot. I read every day about, you know, articles on management leadership advice from, from other people who have been doing this so much longer than I have. And I always find that to be really helpful. But one of the things that I have been doing recently is spending time with people outside of my team. So I have one-on-ones with my team members every week, but I've started just 
taking someone who is not on my team, who I don't normally work with day to day, taking them out to coffee and just listening to them about their area of the business, their pain points, their, their boss, their work style, anything that's on their mind. And it has really helped me get a kind of a broader perspective on, on the business and the company and the culture and B just how other people work and how other people kind of perceive their managers and, and the company culture. And it's given me a lot to think about in terms of how I can be better and how I can contribute in a, in a better way to the team as a whole. That's a great practice. I would recommend that to anybody who wanted to move around or move up within a company. Yes, I agree. I think it's something you can do at any stage, no matter what you do or what your job is or what your goal is. It's more perspective is always helpful. Absolutely. And you know, the, um, my final promotion when I was working within corporate to become assistant vice president, my boss told me it wasn't till I started talking from a global perspective in meetings that they said, okay, she's ready. Mm -hmm. And having those meetings can give you that global perspective of the company. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Adrian, what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? Yeah, I am actually our whole executive team right now is reading a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And (laughs) I haven't finished it yet. I'm about halfway through it. But it's really interesting. It's a fable. So it's a totally fictional story of this management team sort of at this, this leadership retreat, and you see them acting out all of the dysfunctions of a team. And the main character, the CEO, is a woman. And how she sort of takes them through and breaks down those dysfunctions in order to ultimately, I think, ultimately lead them to team success. I haven't finished it yet, so I'll let you know. Okay. (laughs) It's it's a super quick read, and it really puts these concepts into, into perspective because it's a story and it just, it just so clearly illustrates kind of the, the behaviors of leadership of not so great leadership that that people exhibit every day. So I have, I would highly recommend it. I've found it fascinating so far. Awesome. It's going on my list and it comes back to stories and how much we learn from yes, stories. Absolutely. <laughs> Adrian, what advice would you give your younger self? You know, I wish I could go back and tell my younger self that you don't have to have it all figured out um, by the time you graduate or really ever. You know, lives are long and careers are long and it's never too late to make a change. I think I think personally, some of the most interesting people I meet have these career paths that are winding that look very different than they did when they started. And I think that's I think that's really important to keep in mind when you're feeling stuck, when you're feeling like you should be doing something different, when you know when you're feeling like you have to have it all figured out. You really you don't. You you do need to keep moving forward, but it doesn't have to be in one direction or or the direction that you had originally planned on. Mm, one step at a time. Yeah. Love that. All right. Now share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Yeah. I love the quote. It's up on my wall and in my office. If opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. (laughs) And I think, I mean, I do this all the time. I think it's, it's, easy to get stuck in, you know, well, nothing's happening right now. Um, I don't know how to move forward. And 
it really is you that has to take a step, um, build a door, talk to someone, um, move forward. Um, don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Yeah. Opportunity to knock. So great. And Adrian, lastly, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? Yeah. So visit themuse.com slash advice. We publish about 50 articles a week um, on everything from, you know, productivity tips, leadership, success, career changes, all of the stuff we've been talking about today. So I write uh, once every other week. So that's a great way to, to follow the stuff that I am working on every week. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Adrian Granzella. And the Muse is on Twitter as well at Daily Muse. Daily Muse. I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And for those of you who are listening, I know you guys are out running or driving to work or home. So don't worry. You can find all the links and resources Adrian shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. And Adrian, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Oh, well, thank you so much. This has been so much fun, Jody. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Are you ready to take the lead in your own life? Head over to womentl.com forward slash recognized to reserve your spot in my upcoming webinar on how to be recognized and rewarded for the work that you do. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining with me, and here's to your success.